Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to this episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, I want to wish you the best day possible. And if you are enjoying this podcast, thank you very much. I really appreciate that you actually come back to listen to other episodes. That boggles my mind and it excites me so very much. But if you are a big fan, I I just threw big in there because I imagine everyone's a big fan. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider becoming a patron or a supporter through my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. There's different tiers. There's economy. There's premium economy. There's first class. They all come with free stuff, free stickers, thank you cards, call outs on the podcast. Also, you get access to my new Pod, mini pod, I'm calling it like a mini podcast. I call it the Friday debrief. It happens every Friday morning where I get my cup of coffee and I sit down and I just chit chat about how the week went regarding the podcast. So how did this guest get called in? How did this guest get called out? You know, what the, how the topics went, whatever happens, whatever happens. So it's the Friday debrief. Last week was the first one. So if you're interested in that, it's only available to Patreon patrons. That's a tongue twister. So again, www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Please check it out. If you can become a patron, I greatly appreciate it. But remember, if you can't, that's okay too, because you can always listen to the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast for free on all podcast apps. This episode is hot, ladies and gentlemen. It's hot. Hot. It's number 20. I've had 20 episodes on this podcast running. My head is exploding all over the place. I've had amazing guests and today is no different. Paul comes on. Paul wanted to become a pilot ever since he went to an air show in Bangor, Maine. And we talked about our relatives being from Maine. He was a flight attendant before he was a pilot and we go into deep detail about how and why that happened. I also wanted to talk about homophobia in the flight deck. So he We talked a little bit about that. We talked about the way pilots think about flight attendants and how he doesn't think negatively or assume about flight attendants because he understands because he's been on that side. We also chatted about his airline going out of business and what he's doing now for a plan B. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the incredible Paul. All right, here we are. Hey, Paul, welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I'm so glad you could call in. Absolutely. How are you doing, handsome? So oh, good to talk to you. My God, you, you're starting the interview off with a compliment. You know how to get me excited. <laughs> Lord, Absolutely. no. I miss that beautiful thing. Oh, stop it. It's, it's old and wrinkled now, but I'm using some really good moisturizer. Cause you know, now I live in Denver and I'm a mile high, so it's dry. Okay. I feel like I'm sitting in, you know, when I walk outside, I feel like the sun is literally like on my forehead. So it's probably going to age me, but enough about me being handsome and adorable. <laughs> because I could talk about I that. I could talk about that all fucking I mean, we day. All I mean, hello. Yes, we exactly. all could talk about that about you. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. My head's I'm not going to be able to fit my <laughs> headphones on my ear for God's sake. Uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? I am 
surviving uh, the best that I possibly, personally, and professionally can with all of these wonderful shenanigans. Um, and I'm alive, so here we are. Right. You know, you're waking up every morning, you're breathing, like you wake up and you say, okay, I'm alive, so I know I can get through the day. I mean, there's people, Absolutely. There's people that won't wake up and they're fucked. So we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Yes. I, I 100% agree with that. I'm happy to be waking up. I think we all are right now. Absolutely. Now I have a lot of questions for you and I have a lot to talk about. So fasten your seatbelts and saddle up, honey, because it's going to come hard at you just like you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know me too well. <laughs> now let's go back to that because so you're, of course you are a pilot, you're an airline pilot, but you were a flight attendant at some point. Yes, absolutely. For five years. You were a flight attendant for five years. So did you always want to be a pilot and was, a, or did you just want to be a flight attendant and then realize you wanted to be a pilot after you were a flight attendant? Um, I actually always wanted to be a pilot, and when I finished flight school, the uh, economy was not doing so great, and that was in 2008, and then I uh, also struggled finding a job as a pilot because uh, due to the crash that happened with Colgan Air, uh, that put a damper like on the timing of my uh, experience level that was required to even get a job um, due to the HR 5900 was the rule that they put in place you need x amount of hours 1500 to be able to remember that fly commercial jet yeah so i kind of fell at the bad time of that when i finished flight school so someone was like i i'd done a lot of community service with an airline and i was like uh, i don't know what to do uh to one of my mentors that i had gained through there and they were like apply here and get in and do do the best you can at that job and hopefully it will work out for you because um, airlines try to like stay, stay within the, uh, family. Like they like to take care of their own, you know, if you have a dream and that's kind of where it ended for me. I was a flight attendant for five years. Um, I did recruiting, I did IOEs, I met fabulous people. Um, some of my best friends, absolutely from working red eyes, uh, transcon, um, just having a good time, but I always wanted to be a pilot as I was a flight attendant. It just was the timing. Um, and that, that led to that airline allowing me to, um, go through an avenue that was flying private out in Los Angeles, which was, uh, completely opposite of where I grew up. And, uh, I was able to build a lot of flight time and a lot of really good experience. Uh, with that company in Los Angeles. And then I ended up going to uh, Compass right after that. And yeah, I had to leave my job as a flight attendant, but I was 100% supported throughout the entire time as a flight attendant um, for my dreams, which was like, I feel like a lot of people like say they're going to help you and say they're going to support you and be there for you. But when like, you know, the longevity of five years, you can actually say someone was there for me for five years, like to help me support my dreams like is un unheard of and i feel very lucky for that but yeah i uh it's been a journey a good one like i wouldn't change the story looking back no way well it's it's i'm always fascinated with somebody who was a flight attendant i know a few people who were flight attendants and now they're they're pilots so i'm always curious like 
was it a dream that you always wanted to be a pilot and then you became one or you the idea came to you when you were flying now but you wanted to be a pilot ever since you were a little kid what yeah what was the rule so i know the colgan air crash happened in 2009 what was yep. the um so was it after that that you had to have a more hours to fly is that what it was yeah so every um every airline pilot has to have a uh, certificate called the airline transport uh pilot certificate uh, license and that's called atp for short and um the requirements used to be a lot lower uh, and then after the Colgan crash, uh, they realized that pilot experience was the issue. And they then the families of uh, those on that airplane lobbied and created uh, the uh, increase of the hours through uh, legislature and all that stuff. So um, and then they raised the hour requirement to 1,500 hours, which um, you don't have coming out of flight school. So that was the challenge. And it was like, what do you do in the meantime while you build time and not be poor and like not have to live on the street? And, um, so yeah, I had, I had my license and everything. It was just like, I didn't have enough experience. So, um, but yeah, ever since I was a little kid, all I wanted to be was a pilot since I went to an air show in Bangor, Maine. Uh, Oh, you know, my relatives are from Maine. We'll talk about that. But so okay. what, <laughs> what were the hours before the Colgan crash? How many did you have to have? I think it was 250 hours and you need to have your commercial and multi-engine rating. And that was, um, what you, what was required. And then you could apply at say compass and, uh, interview there and then be given a, a job. And it was, it was, a, it was definitely a little bit of more of an old school, um, approach because there weren't things like crew resource management that, uh, we have like so ingrained in aviation. Now things were definitely different and, and during that time, the rules were kind of uh, based off of like, okay, at this point, you're going to have this many hours and you're going to be a, a wonderful pilot, which in reality now, like looking back and I'm like, I mean, the things I learned between 250 hours to 1500 is, I mean, I learned so much more and it just made me a better pilot. And uh, I think that ideally it's best uh, in the long run. And it definitely helped out with the way the regionals kind of run their operation too because right. you know it's harder to get pilots now did you have the 250 hours at that moment when that happened and so you were like i'm gonna get a job i'm gonna get a job and then that happens and they're like no you're not hold on um i was very close to it and i was finishing everything up and i heard that and I was like oh no like so now what and i wasn't alone I wasn't the only one who went to be a flight attendant. Some applied to be air traffic controllers off the street and went and did that. Um, others like left the industry for a bit. Um, some flight instructed. I was just so broke after flight school. I couldn't flight instruct um, or get my flight instructor rating. So it definitely um, throws a curveball, but you just kind of like anything. You just kind of roll with it. And I thought it was going to be like in such a panic. And for a little bit I was, but I mean, it's funny how things just kind of work out if you just stay persistent. I do think things work out. And I love that you said, now that you look back, it's, it was a problem. You learned so much from that 250 hours to 1500 hours. And I'm sure in 2009, you're like, fuck, I'm so close. Yeah. And, but now when you're looking back 11 years, do you think that was a smart move for them to increase it to 1500? I do. I definitely do. I, I think that 
it really, it just creates such a better, well-rounded pilot. And it's like, yeah, it sucks. But it's like, if you want it bad enough, you'll stick around and do it. And it's not like they just hand out jobs as pilots. Like, you actually have to do so much on your part to make it and succeed and do a good job. And not just, like, not not every flight is the same. Like, every flight is so different. So you just kind of got to be on your toes. And I feel like that uh, gap of flight time, I learned so much how to be on my toes and, like, be be uh safe and productive and like um you know help any way i could in, in the operation that i was working in and but yeah definitely i i looking back i don't think that that was i was upset at the time because i wanted my dream job but, oh of you know, course yeah there's no work like that well you know yeah it was good I'm shocked. I'm surprised, you know, thinking as a civilian, as an airline passenger, even as a flight attendant, I'm shocked that you can fly 250 hours back then and get a job as a commercial airline pilot. I I have masturbated more hours than 250. <laughs> like, I, I've spent more time masturbating in my 47 years than pilots who could learn, could fly people in 2008 that's absurd amen honey oh okay. my god like i'm a professional louder well what they say is they say if you do something for 10,000 hours you are considered a professional so i actually added masturbator yeah. to my resume you might as well i'd be louder for the people in the back honey that we are we are there <laughs> oh God, I'll turn, I will talk about masturbating any moment I can. So when you said 250 hours, I was like, I was like, are you kidding? I've, I've played with myself longer than that. Okay. You better. Don't hold back. I'm not doing it right now. Anyone listening. So, um, now, so that happens. And then you say, okay, well, I got to do something. So is the next idea like, well, I might, maybe I should just become a flight attendant because I want to be in the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, through flight school, I was working at a bar and obviously the money was great, but I was, I remember sleeping all day and working all night and I hated that because I was like, I, I'm qualified. Like I can actually do something now that I want to do. And I saw people that I worked with in the bar that were like kind of, uh, falling into like a rut of being there because the money was great and it's it's a you know it's a it was a fun environment and being young and stuff that was cool but I was like Paul this, this you got to keep this ball rolling and yeah being in an airplane was the goal I remember applying to every single job I possibly could and the uh, the responses I got back where you don't have enough experience and I was like man like what do I got to do and then I was like I don't want to be a flight attendant but then I was like wait I mean the shoe kind of fit like definitely I'm not against the idea of, you know, I love people and looking back on it now, God, I would not change the course of this because I love that job and I love my coworkers and I mean, they're family. Like it's so rewarding to know that like you actually see people on your Instagram and Facebook and you're like, Oh my God, they had a baby. Oh, she had a, she got married. Like, like it's so, so cool. Or they got divorced or, Oh, they're together now kind of thing. Like it's, it's been awesome. I wouldn't trade it at all. I really am glad that life led me to be a flight attendant, even though at the time I was like, I don't really think that's what I wanted to do. Cause I just learned how to fly an airplane and put all this money. Right now, let me ask you of, of your five years of being a flight attendant, when you walked away, what was the, what was the biggest life lesson you learned from those five years of working on the other side of the door? 
I would say that the biggest lesson that I learned was don't assume when you meet somebody. Uh, just because uh, I'll never forget this flight. I was in the cockpit, um, probably like a, a, a turn up and down the East Coast. And I was on an Airbus. And I remember specifically I was standing in the cockpit. And sometimes the pilots tell you to sit down. And this one specifically didn't um, tell me to sit down. And um, he asked what I uh, did before this. And I said, oh, I, um, I went to flight school. I'm just like, like looking at the instruments and like trying to like piece stuff together. I've never really, like I'm fascinated. Like this is like a kid in a candy store. And he um, basically lectured me and told me that I was an idiot for being a flight attendant and that I was not. Um, making a good decision and that I, uh, by being a flight attendant and that I should really go home and reevaluate uh, what I am doing with my life. And after that, I was so upset because I really like I had seen a pilot. I was talking to a pilot who I wanted to be for so long and he had made an assumption about me. And uh, before I could really even tell him what if I had a plan or anything like that. And I, I think that that so hard with me that I always when asked what I did prior I just said I worked at McDonald's or something like that because I was like I don't want to hear another opinion unless I completely trust you so I feel like um, that guy assumed because I was a flight attendant and also they assume that every flight attendant is gay uh, if you're a guy and I mean which probably is a lot of the time true which is absolutely wonderful part of the industry if you ask me but I was upset when he said uh, when he said that and so my biggest uh, take is when I'm in the cockpit and I look back like I don't know what this flight attendant does or has done in their life like they may have been a veteran in a war or they may be uh, I remember I had a flight attendant um, a couple months ago he was a uh, physician uh, assistant like part-time I'm like, excuse me, like you are awesome, and a nurse practitioner, like, like just cool. So I don't know. Don't assume you know everything about somebody just because they're uh, what they what they are. If they're a guy and they're flight attendant. Don't assume they're gay. You know, just don't assume people are idiots uh, like that guy did to me because that really sat hard with me for a minute. I mean, now whatever he can fuck off, but. Right. It's all good. Well, I always assume Puerto Rican flight attendants are gay, but that's just because I lived I lived <laughs> yeah, in Florida for 25 years. So if I'm like, he's okay. like, oh, hello. I'm like, you're gay. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or the eyebrows, too. Three, you could cut ice with those bad boys. Okay. <laughs> three rum and Cokes and you're going to be gayer than me. So okay. <laughs> settle down. But, <laughs> all joking aside, going back to that pilot. So you're in the flight deck. And you're just like, oh my God, I'm, I want to be you. You're somebody I am, well, not be him, but like, I want to do your <laughs> job and I'm so inspired. And then he kind of just kicks you in the knee. Yeah. I'm shocked. The that, yeah, yeah. I'm in the nuts. I'm shocked that yeah. that wouldn't be my first thing. If you said, if you were working with me and I, you were like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a, I have a pilot license. I'm a pilot. Da-da. I wouldn't say you're, you need to reevaluate your life. I'd be like, oh, why are you why are you a flight attendant? And then you would say, well, right. because I can't get a job right now. Okay, well, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I wonder what his point, I wonder what he was trying to do. I wonder, because that just doesn't seem normal to me. Maybe he was just an nah. asshole. 
uh, at the end of it, I kind of got that vibe because I had met so many people who were just so open in helping me. And I still talk to them today. Like they've written me letters of recommendation in my career. And it's just like amazing to know that those people, I, I, but I learned the lesson to who to disclose my story with, because not everybody's on your team. And I feel like most people were, but that one guy, maybe a few others was, it was like they had already had assumptions about me and my career and how it was going to tank. And, you know, and it was like, you don't know me. Like, you don't know what I've been through and you don't know what I'm capable of. So let's just, you know, you want a coffee, tea, or me. That's it. Right. Like, leave well, me alone. Sir. <laughs> well, to tell you to go home and reevaluate your life, you're like, dude, trust me, I would rather be a pilot, but <laughs> shit happens and yeah. I need a job yeah. and I need to pay my rent and I. I'm having fun on the airplane because, you know, being a flight attendant, I personally, I think I've never been a pilot. You can answer this to me. It seems like the flight attendants have more fun than the pilots do. Accurate. Absolutely okay, accurate. Good. Absolutely accurate. It's like a, a fashion show in the aisle with the flight attendants and like, it's just a good time. And, uh, in the cockpit, you're kind of constrained up there, but I mean, you have fun with conversations if, if you're flying with somebody who's amazing. So, but I do agree. That's such a true statement. Uh, yeah, you guys have way more fun. That's accurate. Well, because we probably drink more. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're, because yeah. you know, I yeah. imagine pilots are in AA and they're recovering. We're not at that level yet. We're not on our third <laughs> marriage. So yeah. it's like, I'm yeah. still having fun. I don't owe two people alimony. No, you don't. Absolutely. You're just here for the tequila, baby. Right. I'm just here to have fun. That's the only reason I am a flight attendant is to have fun yeah. and to fly for free. Because if you think free. that I have fun hanging out Diet Cokes, you're wrong. Okay. That's it. That's true. Yeah. You got to enjoy it. That's the bottom line. I'm sure you really, I'm sure, you know, you're living your life and you're a pilot now and that's amazing. But do you ever have moments where you miss being in the back and working with the flight attendants and being a flight attendant? Um, I would say that I, I definitely do. I miss, um, I miss like the camaraderie within a crew back there, opposed to having to like entertain one person who's literally like six inches away from you. Um, and like, I, I definitely miss the interactions I would have with some of the customers just hearing like why they were going on vacation, like the recovery from like cancer and um, like the make a wish people um, working in the back was super easy waking up in the morning, <coughs> excuse me, uh, waking up in the morning because you literally walk outside and you just have to have some coffee to some gum and, uh, hang out in the back. You don't have any, you don't have to really talk to many people if you don't want to just help them with whatever they need done. But as a pilot, you have to like think, okay, we're going to do what departure? Where's the wind out of? Which runway are we at? How are we going to get there via the taxiway? Um, what is the weight that I need to enter in here? Did I forget to, to do that? Did I forget to put my authorization in for fit for duty? Who am I talking to once I cross this line on this major airport, LAX? And, uh, what am I going to do when I get there? Oh, there's an A380 about to cut us off. Like we better slow down. Like these things that I constantly happen to you consider, which is definitely, uh, creating more mind stimulation 
at say four o'clock in the morning when you have those early ass shows, uh, opposed to when I was a flight attendant and I'm like just kind of sitting there along for the ride, like in the dump seat, looking out the window, wondering what I'm going to do when I get to the layover that night. Um, so yeah, I do miss the, the, uh, expectation of having to just kind of show up and be a professional, but kind of just along for the ride back there and not having to think as much, um, and those critical situations of like flying the plane. But, um, yeah. And I miss my friends. I miss the friends that I would gain. And I'm like, God, we're such different people. Like, Oh, you're a Scientologist. Like I had no idea. I never met a Scientologist. Oh my God. I've and never met one either. I want to meet a Scientologist. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm totally afraid though. I was like, this oh. is crazy. Yeah. I'm afraid I they're going to make me hold the cans or something. I'd be scared. Okay. Oh my God. I'd be <laughs> but so, you know, I'm so glad that you, cause you basically just said, and you can probably get away with saying this because you have been on both sides of the door. But if a, if a pilot came on and had never been a flight attendant and said, you know, I'm up here doing all this stuff and you're in the back complaining about ice. It makes it sound like flight attendants are just dipshits. Now, I know that's not what you mean. Um, and trust no. me, I am the one. I call out flight attendants all the fucking time. I'm like, they're up there trying to fly a plane with a 200 people on it. You're back here screaming because your ice doesn't work out well. Like, figure. But it's like you grew up. It's like you grew up and you go up front and now it's like, oh, I, I have to be the adult because let's not, let's not lie. We're flight attendants are in the back. We're talking about what we're going to do on our layover. We're talking about the hot dude that's in seven yeah. D wearing sweatpants and his big yeah. hogs flopping around when he goes to oh. the lab. <laughs> okay. You know, we're talking about that. You know, I just worked a trip where, um, the flight attendant dated, the captain. Okay. She's like, Oh, I'm dating the captain. Did it. Oh, that's great. Oh, you've been dating a while. Did it. Halfway across the country. I find out it's, it's, it's his, it's hard for me to even get out the words. It's just her boyfriend, but he has a wife at home. Oh, oh. so I'm like, cause I'm like, why don't you guys, why don't you guys live together? And she shares this with me and she's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to burden you. And I'm sitting there. I, my arms are folded. I'm sipping on my tea. I'm like, no, no, please. I want to know every detail I need to know. Are you even, oh, you're staying in the same room tonight. Fascinating. Oh yeah. Love, love. So I, 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 I like having you on because you can, you can say that because you've been in both predicament. You've been on both sides. I definitely like, I feel like when I was a flight attendant, I literally would show up to work and I just laughed because of all of the fun things that people would tell me, like whether it be from passengers or like, you know, the, uh, the little old couple who was getting into a fight or like a little kid who wanted an extra uh, cookies and I would give them to him even though his mom said no and it was like those kind of things and like the stuff like that where like crew members would tell you and you're like literally that meme about the jump seat and how locker room talks can't touch the conversations that happen on a jump seat I mean it's so true like stuff like that I never forget it and I miss that for sure like I miss that because in the cockpit it's kind of it's very like you it's just you and another person whereas in like a multi-person crew in the back it's like Everybody gets to put their two friends in and it just turns into one big uh, session of either laughing or you finish the trip and they aren't talking anymore. So, but yeah, I, I, I miss that job. I miss the people and I miss uh, the, 
the aspects of it. Um, but I definitely love being a pilot too. It's it's rewarding because it took so goddamn long. To get right, here. right. You deserve you deserve to be up in that seat. You know, I imagine because I always think like. If I'm in the back and I'm working with somebody that I don't really like, which happens, you know, because I don't like many people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's there's like a 90% chance I'm not going to like you when I'm working with you. Um, but when you're in the flight deck, you know, if I'm in the back and I'm working with somebody I don't like, there's I can move around. I can go up front. Right. I can go in the back. But when you're sitting six inches from someone who could be a douchebag, you know, you're kind of yeah. trapped. It's like when you're... Um, if you're two flight attendants sitting on the jump seat together during like takeoff and landing and that flight attendant's just a lunatic and you're like, Oh my yeah. God, I gotta, I can't wait to 10,000 feet so I can like escape. You know what, the, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Like I can't wait to just get up and start service. So I don't have to sit here and listen to this, listening to about your games on Facebook. Like I don't care. Or when they have really bad breath and they're trying to tell you all about their life and you're like, I know we're at 10,000 yeah. feet. No, we just took off. I'm just yes. going to get up. Yeah. I'm or just politics. Gonna... And I'm like, okay, I, I'm literally like just trying to like make sure that we're safe. And I'm like, let's go. Like, I don't want to talk anymore. And you can sit there and smile and it sucks. Holy guy. Is that when you're is now, is that when you're in the flight deck or when you were a flight attendant? Oh, when I was a flight attendant, for okay. sure. I mean, obviously as a pilot, we don't talk too much until like cruise, but right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. As a flight attendant, it, it was, I mean, you're just literally sitting in the jump seat, like hearing these stories. And I just think of like that scene in dumb and dumber where he's sitting at the bar and that girl just keeps talking and talking and talking. He says, God, would you shut up? <laughs> like, I just feel like that so much. That scene just resonates with me. Um, but yeah, in the cockpit, it's definitely different because you have sterile, like, areas that you, you just don't talk, you know, and right. you're so busy. Sterile, like, to sterile be, cockpit. Like, I don't think a lot of, you yeah. know, I don't think um, non-airline people understand to sterile cockpit. Under 10,000 feet, you guys really don't talk about anything yeah. w besides work and I'm taking off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's like getting around the airport. And I mean, you got like two, three eighties that are about to like clip you with their wingtips. If you keep going, like, you know, it's just like things you gotta like really pay attention to. Cause obviously like, and that's what we love, like deep down, we like being, um, of use to somebody and using our skills. And it's like, uh, once you can get out of that environment though, when you're at cruise, like flying a three hour flight, you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me about your kids. What divorce are you on? Like, tell me all the stuff. <laughs> right. I didn't hear, like, the, the good things, too. So, Do you know, um, I just read this. I was reading Howard Stern's book, Come Again. It's a book of all his interviews. I read it a couple months ago. Do you know <laughs> Do you know how the 10,000 um, rule became where it's sterile cockpit? Do you know that story? Honestly, I can imagine somebody, like, or multiple crews probably uh, had an or some sort of error and the, the FAA came after him and was like, okay, no more talking below this. Well, yeah, kind of like that. You know Stephen Colbert, right? Yeah. It's because his dad was a private pilot and his dad and his brother were in a plane crash and when they pulled out the black box, they found that they were chatting about what they were going to do uh, for dinner or something or lunch or whatnot, or just chatting about non airline related things. And they died in that plane crash. So the 10,000, you know, sterile cockpit rule is because it was put in place because of Stephen Colbert's dad's accident. 
No way. I did yes. not know that. That's, yeah. Wow. That is crazy. I mean, you come to this podcast for dick jokes and a little bit of education, okay. ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I I have learned uh, from the floor up. Uh, that is that is good. <laughs> You get oh a great, you get an education here. Edu- oh God, somebody's going to say I'm being awful when I said that. God, I'm honored. No, I did not know that. Yeah, it's Wild. look it up and and because I know I'm. I, I will. It's so it's a fascinating story, and I remember reading it and some being in the airline industry. I was like, holy shit, wow! Because you know everything yeah. we do, everything we do is because something happened. Like you can't smoke on the airplane because yeah. that plane in Canada burnt to the ground. You know, make yes. sure your bags are under the seat in front of you so you don't trip over them and get trampled like something else happened during it. Everything happens because of a, some safety thing happened yeah. in the past. Yeah. They always worded it to us in like flight school. They're like, you know, all of these regulations are written in blood because someone died because of it. So now it's like, okay, now you can't do this. And the same for flight sense too. It's like, it's all tied together. Same, same kind of environment. But yeah, that's wild. I did not know that. I love that idea of saying, you know, all these rules are put in place because somebody died. I should use that the next time I'm work. Like, I don't want to put my bag under. Somebody died, bitch. Put your bag under the fucking seat. What do you think this is? Your house? (laughs) Okay. Get out of town. I love that. I'm out of control today. You know, I'm out of control today. But I want to go back um, to a few moments um, where you were saying about... The pilots tend to think or assume that all flight attendants are gay. Is that, is that, can mm-hmm. we say that's kind of true? Is that, or is that that's a blank? hundred percent. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a very big, big, uh, assumption. I mean, it's just like, assumed, like for sure. I have this, um, it's not a surprise either. I have this fascination with, um, homophobia in the flight deck and because Uh one one day someone happened to just say to me like you can't imagine the shit that they say up in the flight deck about gay people and i was just like no because we were just talking and hanging out in the van and you know i've been a flight attendant for 12 years i've interacted with a lot of pilots and um you know you could probably pick out the ones who are would be like that, right? You can always tell they come on and if the lead flight attendant's gay and everyone knows it, yep. they're not as friendly as if it was a big titty blonde flight attendant who's like, I'm new <laughs> and I love to be on my knees. You know, they love that. Name Donna. Her name has got to be Donna. Donna? Like oh, no. Yeah. Every yeah. Donna that Donna. listens to this podcast now is going to be writing me a letter. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. That's okay. And I'm going to be a letter like, of love. I'm going to sure. say he said it. Did he say LaDonna or <laughs> Madonna? I think he Lame, said Blame <laughs> Paul. Yes. yes. Now, so Here's is the there, you're a gay guy. Is there mm-hmm. homo? Have you experienced homophobia in the flight deck? I personally have always tried to create an environment because like with just two people, you kind of really control, you control 50% of the conversation for sure. And more if, you know, it goes a certain way. I think that from my own personal experiences that I've actually never had anybody blatantly be like uh, disgruntled or rude or um, disrespectful about that to me. And I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a closeted person either. And I do know people that are pilots that completely turn everything off when they get into the cockpit. Um, because they're scared of that because they're a little older than me and came from a different generation. 
Um, but I personally have been honestly blessed with good people who really honestly don't care too much. Um, I also did work most of my jobs with a pretty younger group of uh, pilots. And I also was based in Los Angeles. So um, that was a definite factor. I'm quite positive opposed to being like based in uh, maybe the Midwest somewhere. Um, but I, I've never had anybody be uh, blatantly disrespectful based off of that. I have, however, had people ask questions due to their religion. Um, they are curious as to how certain things would go. Like say, if I wanted to have a kid or cause kids always like having your, your future of like your family and like where you want to live or what airplane you want to end up flying, you know, where your dreams are. So those conversations always happen in the cockpit with pilots because they like, it's, it's positive and it's not, um, gonna like affect the relationship of how you are. Like say, if I want to have kids, I just tell the person I want to have kids. There's not any it doesn't affect them at all. So whatever. But, um, yeah, politically, um, I've never had anybody disrespect me, um, or religiously in that way about being gay. I think everybody's pretty understanding. And I had a, I had a captain once who's like, so how does it work? And I'm like, how does what work? And I'm like, okay, this is, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're only on like day two of a five day trip. Like, I don't know you that well, but, um, no, never been, never ever been, but I can think of an example um, anybody like treat me any different uh, if anything I feel like most of the captains uh, I've flown with have been completely like embrace it they're like hey when we land uh, there's the gay bar or there's bars around the hotel and I'll be like oh you want to go to the gay bar and most of them will come yeah 100%. is that and you said um, they're younger so yeah, you worked at a regional airline and I want to get into yep. this more, but you know what? We don't usually talk about airline names, but you did work for Compass and they've recently yeah. gone out of business. So I'm sorry that yep. you've lost your job. And I do want to talk about that, but do most, oh, I think I just, did you just hear that? I think I just got hit by the spirit. The Scientology spirit just hit me because I heard all this. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Zenu's coming. So, um, oh, no. <laughs> girl, I'm ready for that 737 to land in my backyard and take me away. No, I'm just kidding. So, take me to heaven. Oh, <laughs> I'm crazy today. I'm going to have now, I'm not only going to have the Donnas after me, but I'm going to have the Scientologists after me. And I am not friends with You're Leia Remini. So, I don't, I have no protection. I am done. That's it. Tom Cruise um, is coming for you. But <laughs> now, is it? Is you know are they are they younger pilots at regional airlines? Is that how it goes? Is it like a stepping stone to working for one of yeah. the majors? Yeah, it definitely is. It's um it's a stepping stone because it's it's it, again back to the experience thing. Like the more experience you have, the uh, better well rounded you are as a pilot. So it's it's kind of nice that you do have that stepping stone. Um, it's a kind of double-edged sword too, because, um, you know, you're doing the exact same thing as most of the majors. Um, and, and sometimes the same airplane, for example, the Embraer 175 is same as the 190. Um, and you're just making less money, but yeah, most regionals are, they're full of young people. And mine specifically was really young, um, very West coast, um, chill mentality, like San Francisco. A lot of people live up there, you know, it's just kind of. Uh, and I, I know that, um, the, the cars that I was walking into was never going to be anything that I hadn't experienced before with, uh, regards to the person I was flying with, you know, 
I knew we were going to mm-hmm. probably relate on a lot of levels. I wasn't working with a huge age gap. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, because I imagine at some point, all of the older 60-ish pilots who have that mentality, maybe they're not as open-minded, they're a little conservative, they were in the military, that's how they were brought up, blah, blah, blah. They're going to retire, and the younger group is going to grow up and to be those pilots, and then it's not, it's going to change. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. But I'm also- definitely a wave- well, I'm also sure. sorry. No, no, don't worry. Um, you know, when you're doing a podcast like this, where you're not sitting in front of the other person, sometimes you talk over each other because you don't have those cues from, you know, the conversation, you know, they're going to stop talking. So don't worry about that. But yeah, I, I, I'm really happy that you haven't, you personally, cause you're such a wonderful person. I'm glad that you haven't Aww. had any like stories where you've, felt out of place or you wanted to crawl down the ladder out the window. Cause you were like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I feel like it could be, cause I mean, you go to a hotel room by yourself and then like, imagine somebody just like shamed you the whole way up from LA to Vancouver. And you're like, Oh my God, like I like I'm in the wrong profession. But in reality, like I truly think that there are more um, gay men in aviation than anything like and i mean what that includes probably some closet cases which is absolutely fine but um yeah definitely definitely feel like there's a lot of support especially with like the ngpa like shout out to them because they are like a phenomenal organization that does so much to make make people feel included like whether they're like a pilot who um is transgender or like transitioning i know some of them um, a pilot living with HIV. I know pilots that have HIV, like things like that is just like, um, somebody who's in the closet and they don't, they don't know how to come out because of their upbringing or they're scared. They won't be accepted in the industry. And those are all like wonderful points that the NTPA touches on. And, um, definitely love that about aviation. I just feel like we have such a well-rounded group from flight attendants to ground to, to pilots, to whatever it's, uh, it's the best industry in the world. Like, let's be real. It is pretty special. And I feel, you know, I feel bad. You know, I've been out since I was 16. I base, like I would have came out of my mom's vagina with a rainbow flag, but I don't think we took over the rainbow flag in 1972 yet. I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but you know, I've never had to hide who I was. I was always very proud of myself. So I always feel bad when I hear about people who can't be, who they want. And especially because they think, Oh, I'm in aviation. I have to be butching them. I have to be a straight pilot, but I like to take it in the butt. No, you can take it in the butt and still be a pilot. So many people do. Hello. I mean, just be yourself. What what do you, um, when you say they come on, like, do you know gay pilots who come on and you use the term shut it off and are you sitting there in the van and you're thinking i know you're a big queen i don't know who you're joking who you're playing who you fooling around (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes um definitely you can think of uh, a handful of those and obviously they're my friends but um and i've flown with them when i was flight attendant and i've seen how they were in that environment and i'd be like handing up the diet coke with a cup of ice with a lid and be like, girl, or, you know, something fun like that. And then be like, no. what was that? Be straight. Oh. Like, they're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be straight. Yeah. Oh, like, right. oh I, I can't, I can't like, uh, 
I can't show that side of me. And like now, I mean, I, I think it's like you said, there is a, a generation of pilots that, you know, are, are changing the industry they're up and coming. And um, I'm happy to be kind of a part of that for sure. And I feel very supported too um, in regards of that older generation, because like they know their time is, is coming to an end. They have to retire at 65. So, you know, just let the, let the new generation do their thing and um, be safe and supportive. And that's, that's it. But yeah, those, those pilots definitely do exist. And um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about being on the van and being like, Oh my gosh, they definitely like, they're definitely a uh, family. Or then you like see them on grinder and you're like, Oh honey, <laughs> I love that you brought up Grinder. You know, there's all those pilots that are listening to this right now, the straight pilots. I just did air quotes, by the way. And their butts are puckering right now listening to this going, oh my God, are they, t- they know, they know, they know, close up the house, oh they God. know. <laughs> That's not it. Oh. I remember being in, I remember being in San Diego on the layover and all the, fl- I was, when I was a flight attendant and all the flight attendants were together, like getting ready to go out and, um, one of the flight attendants was on Grinder, and uh, we saw the captain on the Grinder, app, and we we're like, "Oh my god!" Like we all like had a powwow. We we're like, "Do we invite him out?" And he's on Grinder. Like that would be so fun. So we did, and he came out with us. He was so awesome. But I'm so happy that he felt uh, comfortable enough to come out with us. And I think that oh, it goes good. both ways. You can- yeah. Yeah, course. definitely. And um, anyone yeah, who's listening, so any straight people that are listening, Grinder is like the gay version of <laughs> Tinder. Am I, right? Right? So th- yes, sir. Yep. Right. So when you're in the van and you're on Tinder looking at chicks, your flight attendants, the gay ones, are probably on Grinder looking at dicks. Yeah. So yeah. so everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. But you know, some guys might be like, "What's grinder?" I love it when <laughs> one time I was on my phone in the van and I don't have grinder on my phone. I'm not saying that I'm an angel, but I just don't have grinder on my phone. And um I was on I think Instagram and I don't know if the F- FO was either flirting with me, trying to pick me up or just curious, but he's he looks over and he goes, "Are you on grinder?" And I was like, this is Instagram. And he's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, put it back in your pants, sir. I was like, settle down. Like, like yeah, I don't know what that was. That was great. He wasn't cute, though. If he was cute, this could have ended differently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I'm I'm wired today. You know what? I'm not gonna lie to you. I made a I made a mocha like 20 minutes before a coffee mocha, 20 minutes before we started recording. So I'm probably like completely spazzed right now. So I'm sorry. I love that, that you're experiencing no, me at a level thousand. <laughs> that's the only way I like you, baby. Yeah, that is aw. absolutely. We gotta have we gotta have you at that level. That is you are so loved. After this, I'm just gonna pass out on my office floor. I like I'm not even gonna be able to get out the room. I'm gonna fall asleep by the litter box. It's gonna be terrible. But that's okay. No worries. Get your door dashed. <laughs> Call it a night. Now so Compass, they went under. So they go under. Do they do you do they give you a warning? Is it a surprise? Do you just wake up on a layover and there's email like we're going out of business in two weeks? Sorry. Um, it was it was pretty. Um, the writing was kind of on the wall of like um, a lot of shifting and changes within the company, and 
so there was a possibility and people were kind of already starting to leave. And with that, they, uh, got news. Obviously we all got news of the COVID-19. So that led us down an even weaker tra- uh, trail for the regionals specifically who have contact with the majors and then the majors like parking triple sevens up and down the runways. And obviously regionals aren't going to survive, uh, the way that they did prior. And, you know, the triple sevens are being parked by the mainline carriers. So the writing was on the wall. We got announcements really rapidly. It happened really quickly. It was a very much a slippery slope. And um, it was within a matter of, I think, three days um, that it all just kind of went from, we might furlough, we're taking voluntary furloughs, you're furloughed, uh, we're closing the doors. And that was about three days. So it happened quick. Uh, scary times. But we never thought, I mean, who would have ever thought a month ago or a little over a month ago that this would happen. And um, but here we are. And yeah, it was quick. It was quick. It was an interesting time for sure because there's something you worked so hard for and like all of the wonderful people I worked with, that was more the important part because there's like these people have families and, you know, that some had weddings planned and honeymoons planned and right. things like that. And it's just like, now they don't even have a job, let alone can't even get on an airplane. So, but, right. Yeah, you know, we, we started January coming in. Oh, it's a new decade. It's a, an election yeah. year. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. This year is going to be on fire. We just didn't know what kind of fire we'd be in. I mean, yeah. we're like in the, we're, yeah. we're like in the pot, we're yeah. burning. So were, were yeah. you furloughed? Or did you work up right until the doors closed? I was furloughed um, due to my seniority. And then after that, I was, um, uh, it was right after my furlough date that they announced that, because uh, there was two sets of furloughs. It was the 1st of April, then the 7th. And then I was in the first group. And after the 7th, the doors were closed. But the, the people who were in the second group didn't even make it to the 7th they cut it off earlier. It was almost like, I think the fourth. So, and then after that, everyone was out of the job. Oh my God. So, so three days from, hi, we, we might be furloughing to, we're going to be closing the doors on this day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was, it, it was aggressive. It happened quick. I mean, it was just like a brush fire in the field. Like it was just, it, it, somebody lit a match and it just took the whole field. It was, it was a lot. And I mean, it was new information. You're like unemployment. Like, what do I even do? Like, I've never even had to do that. Like, and then you're like health benefits. Like I need healthcare. Like, but then you can't get through to any other websites because they're, they crash every time because the whole nation is trying to do the same thing. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a lot. It was a learning lesson, uh, learning experience for sure. Uh, I will say that because I mean, I mean, nobody's exempt from those kinds of things happening in their life, but right. uh, I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot from that. And it's always good to have people who are also going through the same cluster with you because you can use them as like, okay, what was your experience with this website applying for unemployment? What did you put in this box? And where are you going to go work next? You know, like, what do you do? But yeah, you know, you bake it. It just makes you tougher. Where the, you know, I saw you... Um I, of course, we're friends on Instagram, and I saw you had posted a picture of a bunch of you and your coworkers filling out unemployment. It made me sad. Were there a lot of tears, or were you? Did you guys hold each other up and say it's going to be okay? We're going to be fine. 
So I, there were tears. I mean, there was, I, I, I honestly want to relate it to somebody like losing a family member because it was, it was the same process. Like you like acknowledge what happened or you're in denial and then you're like, what? and then you, you cry cause you're like grieving this life that you would work so hard to have. And, um, I feel like the amount of tears were just flowing. They were just going out there in, uh, in Los Angeles because everybody was lived within the kind of same area of LA and it's kind of like a little family. And it was hard because we were all, um, wondering what was next the unknown but yeah tears were definitely flowing we were all getting together like i mean someone would cook and it was it's during the covid uh stuff so you can't have more than 10 people in a room and uh so that was a challenge because compass is notorious for um uh doing a really good job with what they do and also having a really good time and we couldn't you know have like a farewell party or anything like that because of the distancing so that was hard because a lot of people ended up moving away um, back with their parents or wherever they could to live cheaper than LA because now they don't have a job. Um, but yeah, that was hard. It was really hard, but I definitely feel like we all supported each other and still continue to support each other because um, everybody's just kind of going through something right now and this has affected everybody. But to lose your job right off the bat was definitely a nice smack in the, the face. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it makes me think, I wonder what's, you know, everyone right now, so, well, I shouldn't say everyone, I hate speaking like that, but a lot of people right now are so afraid of furloughs. And I almost wonder, is it better to find out, like, is it better to be furloughed or is it better to wait, this waiting to find out if airlines are going to do furloughs is worse than being furloughed, I think, mentally? Yeah, I so, it, like, for most of us, right now it's kind of like learn as you go because the the older generation of pilots have been through this a few times like with 9-11 and things like that and i i feel like the best position that you could be in is to get furloughed early if it's going to happen and that's just off of experience just because like they say the first of the streets are the best ones with the chance to get a, another job mm -hmm. because you know your app would be on file longer than someone else's and, you know, the, the application windows just fill up with, uh, or they'll close the window when you're like mid application because they got enough, you know? So it's all about supply and demand at this point. And, um, if I were like say at my end goal of whatever airline I want to be at, like, obviously, you know, you don't want to go anywhere else. You'd like to stick around and, and see what happens because you don't want to leave. But, um, like we talked about with like the stepping stones of a regional, like that was, hundred percent not where I was going to spend the rest of my career. And we all, you know, that going in there, like that is absolutely okay. And most of your predecessors uh, did the exact same thing because it's just kind of how it is in the U S with the regionals. But I think if you're first to get furloughed, which I guess technically, I think we, we were pretty close to the first. Um, it, it was nice to know that I was going to have opportunities that, um, I was going to be able to commit to before others because they already still had their job. Right. Do you, um, now at compass, how many pilot, do you know how many pilots and how many flight attendants lost their job? Uh, I'm not sure about flight attendants, but, um, pilots we had about, I think it was like 450. Okay. And, um, we all, yeah, everybody, I mean, everybody was just, uh, no one works there anymore. So kind of, kind of blows, but I mean, it was closing a chapter of, 
something is always hard, but like, oh, I'm yeah, so happy absolutely. that I had that one. You know, it was like when I, when I left, um, being a flight attendant, that was hard. Like it was really hard to shift. Like, okay, you need to go from like the opposite of type A to type A for, you know, training and things like that. Because you're flying a tube to the sky with one engine, you know, off the sails. And, um, but I, I definitely feel like it's, it's really hard to leave those kind of, uh, experiences behind, but you become better, you know, you just become better. And, but yeah, there was a good, a good amount of people who were furloughed first and then the second heat came and that was everybody, the remainder. I think of, um, I think it really would be, it really sucks when the airline goes out of business like that, because now you have, say there's 500 flight attendants, you know, if other airlines, if the big major ones are furloughing, they're going to call back those furloughed people before they hire new people. So mm-hmm. now you have these pilots and these flight attendants who are kind of in limbo, I guess, thinking like, well, when am I yeah. going to get a job in the airlines? Because, you know, if, if, you know, spirit furloughs a thousand flight attendants, they're going to call them back before I get a chance. I would think. Yeah, exactly. That's how that goes. Yep. Yeah, exactly how that goes. Now, how, how, how about you? Yeah. Pilots too. How about you? Are you, are you searching? Um, where do you, you know, are you like, I'm fucked? Like, where are you at? A good group of us, a good chunk of the pilots at Compass. I mean, obviously, like I said, the writing was kind of on the wall um, in regards of what was going on. Um, and there was speculation and I was able to get applications out about, I actually applied to 35 different places. I have an Excel spreadsheet because I have to stay organized. Um, and I applied to 35 different places and I was actually able to obtain a job. Oh my um, God. About 20 oh. days. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I was so oh excited. Wow. Uh, about 20, yeah. It was, my interview was actually on my furlough date and I, uh, I was able to obtain a job flying, um, about 20 days after my furlough date. So yeah, kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but that's a perfect example of like, you know, timing was everything because I was able to apply at places that I, I kind of, I didn't want to make a lateral move, but I, I like, obviously you want to try to do the most you can for your career because we don't live forever. But, right. um, I went like, I, I was like, what can I do that will, what can I apply to that will be, you know, I can learn more from, I can like grow from. And I was actually able to obtain that. So I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I mean, uh, it's, it's just unreal. Just the amount of, uh, thankfulness I have for how it's worked out for me going through this. Um, and I can only hope the best for everybody else too. Cause I have friends that are, I mean, they're at mainline and they haven't flown in a month and they're just like eating pizza and they're just trying not to kill their spouse because they're home <laughs> and they're a pilot too. Right, and they're right. never home alone together like that. But, um, but yeah, I was definitely able to, to land on my feet and just, I also believe that with there's a perfect example because it's like where opportunity meets um, hard work is where where that happens because if I if I hadn't applied when I, I was absolutely feeling like upset depressed because I mean I know I'm losing my job and here I have to go apply for places that I didn't didn't uh, I don't work at and I have to get ready to interview and all this and it's like. Um, where opportunity meets hard work is where good things happen. And if I didn't apply to those, you know, I, would, I wouldn't have a job. So move your ass, you know? You know, 
No one is going to make, nobody is going to get you a job. You, you're going to have to put your ass out there and get it. No, nothing happens. Nothing. It's very, there's a small percentage of people that just get lucky and like, oh, look, I got the best job in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you really do yeah. have to put yourself out. Now, I, I don't know if I missed this, but had you applied at this other airline before you even got furloughed or was it a situation where you knew you were going to get furloughed? You're like, I better start applying. It was, um, I would say mid March. I was like, mm, I need, I'm, I'm not sleeping as well as I should. I need a security insurance, uh, of some sort with, if, if this all goes south. And, um, with that came basically perfect timing because at that time, no one was furloughed. So it allowed my, uh, stuff to kind of, my applications to kind of, move and be less um diluted by the pool of pilots that um is now sitting in those inboxes um but yeah it was right before i got furloughed and i was like and i didn't know yet but i had an idea you just have those feelings i don't know it's weird you just kind of go with your gut and right i was like yeah something's not right like this isn't this isn't okay something's gonna happen here and and it did and i mean it's just 35 places I applied and I ended up hearing back from I think about five of them and a lot of them were just like hey we're sorry um, we're not hiring anymore whereas like in beginning of February we couldn't hire enough wow yeah yeah like you just started start we started in 2020 like on this high and it just rapidly De just crashed and burned. I hate using that spiral. term. Yeah. It spiraled yeah. down like crazy. Now, how do you feel? How's your guilt regarding that you got this opportunity? And there's a lot of, of your coworkers and your friends from Compass who are probably sitting at home going, what the fuck am I going to do? Do you have any, like, I, how are you dealing with that? So I like, like I said, most of the, the people that I work with, um, we all live really close to each other. So we're all very close inside and outside of work. And that's like a, a compass original thing. It's just kind of how it is there. Um, but I 100% have felt that. And uh, to know that a lot of them are getting calls right now um, is just making my heart so happy because I know that they're going to succeed because they put the effort in and they want to. And I have reached out to uh, a good amount and just kind of like little temperature checks kind of um, just to see how they are. And if they have heard me update and sometimes just asking somebody how they are is like way more important than like, have you heard anything about a job? You know what I mean? Cause like that feeling sucks. And I know for sure that a good chunk of the people I worked with are actually in, in a good position. So um, but like I said, and like we talked about, it's like the first of the streets are the ones who actually get to kind of feel out the job market first. And that's what we are doing. And it's, it's been really nice. And the industry understands like, so well, and it's such a, a complimentary part of the people of the aviation industry. It's like, yeah, you were furloughed. Okay. Well, I would like to talk to you before I talk to this other person, um, who is at a different who's still flying oh um, that makes yeah, sense every, okay that makes yeah. sense to me like you are you have a job you're flying we're gonna take the guy who lost yeah. his job we're gonna interview him first that makes sense uh, yeah, yeah i agree with that it's 
it's such a testament to the aviation industry. And it doesn't even matter what, it doesn't even have to be airline. Like everybody is just so understanding of like, you were furloughed. Okay. Let's talk because you don't have a job. And we have people who have jobs currently. Like let's keep everybody doing what they love because at the end of the day, like life's short. Like let's just, let's take care of each other. And I just, I will always remember that about the aviation and the aviation industry. And, um, but yeah, my coworkers, they strong, resilient, like wonderful and gorgeous people. And they're going to thrive through this because that's just what we do. But, um, you are the company you keep. And if I was able to obtain this, then, um, 100%, no doubt in my mind that most of them are almost on their feet again too. So, or about to be, so it's, it's good. I mean, I think it will work out well. I just, the, the longer this goes on, right? For other other airlines, you know, there could be other people that are going to be in that position that I just was in, and it's just it's a heartbreaking thing. But you just kind of you just got to power through. Well, you said, and I agree with you. You said it's almost better to get furloughed right away because mm-hmm. not only does it get you at the top of the um, interview line, but also you can move on with your life. You know, when you're, if you're just sitting there waiting, um, waiting to be furloughed because you know, airlines are sending out emails like I don't October 1st, you could be out of a job. Now imagine you're just sitting here waiting. You're just, it's, it's, it's April. And you're like, Oh, you know, by the fall, I probably won't have a job maybe. And that to me is more stressful than me getting an email tomorrow and saying you're furloughed. Then I can be like, all right, now I know what's yeah. happening and I can move on. Because the unknown is the scariest part of this whole thing. hundred percent. I remember when I got the email that I was furloughed, I was in the Trader Joe's in West Hollywood. And I literally, I looked at my phone and I was like, thank God, I now am in charge of the decision again. Like I, yeah, this is in that's my so court smart. Like, yeah. like that was the best feeling. I just landed from Arkansas and I was like, okay, I'm stressed. I'm not sleeping good. I, I went to Trader Joe's and I got some of those peanut butter cups they make because, you know, those make everything better. And <laughs> I was like, I know oh, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. They just sing to me. And I was like, okay, well, like, like you, you're going to have control of this soon. And sure as hell, I checked my phone and I had a notification of an email and I read it in the line for checkout. And it was, it was sad because you think of all the faces attached to your job, but you also, are in control and that was the best thing about it it was like moving forward i determine what happens next not you anymore because you know these are things we can't we can't fix these are like not our problems and like what's going to happen to your company like yeah you're you're directly involved but you're not like these aren't your decisions so the decision was then in my hands again which made me really happy and i think that helped me a lot with moving getting motivated um, and helping others get motivated too, because like I said, nobody deserves to not be able to do what they want with their life if they want to do it. Absolutely. You know, I, you, you've mentioned being in control a few times, which is so important for us as human beings when we, when, when we think if we have control of our life, cause there's so many things in life we do not have control of. Like I could get in the car right now after we get off this call and get hit by a Mack truck. And even though I think I'm in control, I'm not because there's so many things happening. So whatever we can have control of gives us power. And that is so important. And it's just eases the stress. Yeah. 
definitely. I, like I said, the stress went down after because it was like, okay, now I know I don't have to guess. I don't have to play the what if game. Like that was a relief. And I think it was for all of us um, at the end of it because it was just really like wearing on people. And even in the cockpit, just people were on edge and crews were just like taking pictures non-stop with each other like kind of like savor the memories because we just kind of knew that it was going to be over soon so but yeah definitely having control of your destiny like uh what's her name donna jensen from that uh a view from, from the, the top. top yes i love that Paris movie. first class international i, I knew she exactly what you were talking destiny. about what yes like she knew she knew what she wanted and she yes. went and got it and it's like when you're in control of it and you can dictate how it goes that's the best uh feeling in the world because you know, it's in your hands at that point. But yeah, definitely in the learning experience, something I wish I didn't have to uh, have happen for anybody really. Yeah, but but um, it actually makes you, it makes you stronger. These kicks in the balls of life are what make you, what turn you into being a strong human being. If you were given everything, if, if you were just handed everything to you on a silver platter, what would you actually learn? Not much. <sighs> Yeah, Girl, no, I'm, so getting philosoph- so I'm getting philosophical now. <laughs> okay, it's that Scientology in you. No, no, don't say it. You're going to get them to come after me. I don't want anybody. I already think my neighbors are going through my trash. No, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> so now you have a new job, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm very hyper yeah. today. Um, oh, I love it. So you have a job now. Congratulations. We won't mention the airline, but so do you have a start date? Are you in training? What's going on? I'm actually currently in uh, training right now. Oh, yeah. yay. That's I so do. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bitch, yeah, bitch you are great. lucky. <laughs> I know. I honestly, I feel that my entire class is just like hitting the ground. It's, oh, it's just my. amazing to... Uh, the perspective that this has provided, I think, not even to us, but just our, like, like us and our instructors and like the industry overall, overall, and my colleagues who are like, man, I might have to join you, or like, I like, can you help me? Like, I'm trying to get leave my current job because I see the writing on the wall, and I'm like, wow, I've been there, like, literally twenty something days ago, like, just so eye opening. And but if there's anything I can say, it's just like always remember that, like there are so many people who help you get through those things and also um, give you advice, whether you want it or not and use your resources. Cause I mean, the aviation industry is so small and it's so wonderful and like, it's, it's such a good vibe to have uh, so much support from so many good people. And I feel like that's what really helped me get to the point that I'm at because yeah, I cried. It this oh, was yeah. hard. Like just, just knowing you're, you're, what you've worked so hard for and it's gone and what you really love to do. And, you know, and I, I, I remember immediately I, people were like, I think I'm going to go back to being a bartender. Like, and I was like, well, like, what would I go back to be? And I was like, well, I was a flight attendant. I'm like, I can never do that again because I couldn't even get hired again. Right. right. And that was, you know, that was such a, such a, a, a weird, like, concept to wrap my brain around is because it's like a job I love so much and I would love to, to do it again but I was like they, those people are suffering too and it's like this is affecting everybody every which way you dice it and 
So it's just kind of like you've got to like worry about your own backyard and help others if you can and seek help if you need it. Well, I... I am very, I think you really deserve this. I think you're a kind person and, you know, when you are good to other people and you're kind and you're happy and you're supportive, good things happen to you. So please, you know, I understand if you do have a little guilt that maybe some of your other coworkers don't have jobs, but you definitely deserve this and I'm happy for you. I think this is great. Thank you. I'm I'm sh- you so I'm actually shocked that you have a job and you're in training because that I, I didn't even know if that was possible. Now, is this an airline you see yourself being with for a long time, or is it just another possibly stepping stone? I think that it's definitely um, it's a place that I see myself growing at, and uh, I I honestly think I will be happy wherever I choose, like for my own well being and for my goals of like when I was a little kid. Like you, you kind of have this vision and I think, I think, yeah, actually, I think I would be pretty happy here, um, for my career. And that's why I kind of felt uh, grateful that it wasn't something like another stepping stone. Um, you know, I was like aiming kind of high because I really thought that, uh, later in life, this might be a good place, you know, when things pick back up again, that I would like to stay. So hopefully for that, yeah, I, I think I would stay for sure. I think that's awesome. You know, this is one of when you're talking and you're sharing your story with me, I'm having this, I'm having this thought of this is one of those situations in life where your life is not turning out how you planned it. I'm sure when you were at Compass and you're at the regional, you have an idea of where you want to work, what you're going to do. I'm going to do A, B, and C once I get to a certain point. And now you're probably on a different path that you not did not think you'd be on in February. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, this changed very quickly. Which is a, such a great life lesson. You know, I don't know how old, can I ask you how old you are? Um, I turned 30 in October. I could be your dad, which is hot. But besides (laughs) that, I could be your dad if I was 17. Okay. Settle down. But no, um, but I think this is, this is such an important life lesson. I actually learn the most about life and growth when the rug is pulled out from under me. Absolutely. That is, that is the the song of my people right now. We are all just like, you can't lay there. You just can't lay there. The rug's pulled. You can't lay there. The the dog will come and shit on you. You have to get back up (laughs) and you have to dust off yourself and say, yes, bad shit's happened. And now I got to fix, I got to make it happen. And you did. You should be very proud of yourself. I'm clapping for you. I'm clapping for you. Thank you. All right. I'm honored. Oh, you're so sweet. Before I let you go, though, I do want to talk about that you're from Maine because my relatives are all from Maine. So you're a maniac. Yeah. Yes, sir. I sure am. Yeah. I was. I um, crack a lobster. You could crack a lobster with what? Your thighs or your butt cheeks? Yeah. A true maniac can take a lobster between their butt cheeks and serve it in butter. No, oh God, that's disgusting. Okay. Okay. No. no. So my, yeah, my relative, where are you, where were you born? I was actually born in Bangor. Oh, okay. I've been there once. Isn't that by Freeport? Um, yeah, it's like, okay. uh, like uh, an hour. Yeah. About an hour. Hour north. My, um, all my relatives, well, like my mom's side of the family, like my mom, my grandparents, like they were born in Waterville. Do you know where that is? 
Yeah. 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 Wonderful. I got my wisdom teeth out there when I was uh, in high school. Wisdom teeth out my in Waterville, Maine, and that's where my mom was born and my uncle was born. And I've only been once. Um, you know, my, my grandparents, when my mom was eight and her brother was six, they moved to Connecticut. And so I'm, I'm, I was born in Connecticut, but I'm always fascinated when people are from Maine because you just don't hear that a lot. I think there's more moose than people. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, driving there and driving in LA are like way too different things for sure. It's, it's a, an interesting little part of the country. I feel like a lot of people leave the E off when they spell it. So Oh no, that makes me sad for ignorant people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> isn't the capital isn't the capital Augusta? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, I you. bet you did not think I could pull I didn't even Google that. Okay, that is good. That is real good. Yes. You're so amazing, Paul. I, only great things are going to happen for you. I feel it in my sack. And I always listen to my gut and my sack. But before I let you go, I know I'm absolutely out of control on this episode. Um, we're going to play my game. Let's get grounded. And I want you to pick an airline and I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to answer it for me. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. American Airlines, JetBlue, Delta, Spirit, Frontier, and United. My favorite color is blue, so let's go JetBlue. Good old JetBlue. Do you know that this is probably episode 19, and I've been asking this question since like day one, basically, and 90% of everyone picks JetBlue. Everybody loves JetBlue. Oh, I, I, yeah, really? Yeah, everyone yeah. always says JetBlue. Those even, cats. even, and you know, because I don't mention airlines, even people that I know that work for a different airline, when they ask, when I ask them, they pick JetBlue. And I'm like, you cheating on your own airline. All right. <laughs> on a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, if you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh. Oh, this one for sure. It would be Whitney Houston because I live for her music and <laughs> she's like, I just love her. I mean, she's like the anthem everywhere of things positive. And like, you want to dance with somebody? I mean, like, who can't dance to that? That is my, yeah, definitely Whitney Houston. And Aww. I feel like she totally just, I don't know, her, her music like resonates with me and um, I think our community too, definitely. She was alive for a lot of the tough parts of, um, you know, all of the, the rights that happened with gay people. And yeah, definitely Whitney Houston. I, I love her. I mean, she's always on repeat and she's always on recently played too. So, oh yeah, she, yeah, Whitney Houston. Yeah. I was, um, in 1986, when I was 14, um, you were not born. Um, no, <laughs> you were, I did no. that. I did that math in my head quickly. I was like, you were not born. It was good. I was, was in quick. the, I was in the basement. Listen, I know the capital of Maine. I can do math. Hello. Um, <laughs> I was in the basement dancing to I Want to Dance with Somebody, and she would be in that music video with that little purple dress that was really skin tight with yes. that fabulous hair. And I was like, this bitch yes. got it going on. Okay, she ain't fooling around. What would you she ask her? What's one question you would ask her? I'm sure she would be sharing her crack with you, too. So that's exciting. But I want to know. <laughs> oh, for sure. God, oh my I'm God. going to hell. But what's, like, what's one question you would ask Whitney Houston if you could? I would ask her, gosh, 
I feel like I would ask her how she felt um, during, like, the AIDS epidemic and stuff like that and how she felt like maybe her music was, like, um, influencing people. And uh, I don't know, just kind of get her perspective on all of that because, like, I mean, living in California and having a boyfriend in San Francisco and, like, going through the Castro and stuff like that, like, I did, and always hearing her music all over every gay bar you ever go to. Like, I just feel like she's just part of the culture of what had happened and was there for so many people. I would ask her how um, it changed her personally, you know, because I feel like she put a lot of effort in to, um, making sure people had a voice, even though, right. you know, they were, they didn't. And her music just probably helped so many people. I would definitely ask her, uh, yeah, where, where she felt with all of that. Just kind of, yeah, I, I absolutely, like, I don't know. I just, she hits a soft spot in my heart only because she's, um, her music is wonderful. And I think that she did a lot of good for a lot of people before, um, she ended up passing, but yeah. And I would also ask her like what kind of tacos she likes. What kind of tacos? Uh, you know, fun stuff like that. Yeah. Like, does she like carne asada? Does she like chicken? Like, does she want um, anything like that? Like, chorizo? You know, I want to know those questions. You want to know, like, well, you'd have 14 hours, LA to Sydney. You you could ask know, her every single question. There. What is your favorite? Do you have a favorite Whitney Houston song? I would definitely think it's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Okay. For sure. right. just, Mine is. Um, Mine's so emotional. I love that song. I can listen oh, to it like it just came too. out. And uh, my I name is not Susan. Oh my God. <laughs> I could sing me. My name is not Susan every moment oh, of the day. See, so now I'm going to have to listen to Whitney Houston. Do you remember where you Honestly, were? Do you remember where you were when you found out she died? Um, actually, I don't remember it. Um, I definitely don't remember it. I, um, I looked up and I've like watched her the documentary like i think it's called just whitney um and that was pretty eye-opening um i do remember when her daughter died though I was oh working. my god i was actually flying Can, yeah it, flying. that is a, yeah, sh- a story. crazy story that is insane really yeah 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 like bobby was, brown like that all of that yeah that's a just wild. wow who knew we could spend 10 minutes talking about whitney houston I was on a I plane. Know. I was on a plane in the back galley and somebody in the last row had it on the news on the TV. And I was standing really? between the labs, probably gossiping. And I happened and it was, uh-huh. a, I remember it was a transcon flight too. And I happened to just look over and the ticker on the bottom said, Whitney Houston found dead or whatever. No and I can remember thinking this can't be real. And wow, because yeah, she was such a big part of my childhood too. And I remember sitting down yeah. and texting friends that I knew love Whitney Houston. I'm like, Whitney Houston's dead. They're like, we can't even talk right now. Yeah. 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 It, yeah I, I, it was around the time I finished college or finished flight school. And I was like, this is, this is like, uh, I don't know. I remember hearing about it like here and there. I don't remember it specifically. I don't think I was such a, as big of a fan as I am now. But um, yeah, I want to sit in the middle seat, and I want Jonathan Van Ness, my other Van Ness brother, to be on the other side of the seat too because he's wonderful. Whitney Houston, Jonathan Van Ness, go to Sydney. Oh my God! And you could, seat. and you would, you would sit in a middle seat to be between them. You could talk about Queer Eye. You could talk about Everything. where do broken hearts Everything. go? <laughs> it would be amazing, Paul. <laughs> 
You're fabulous. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm going to let you go now. Um, You're fantastic. Only good things are coming for you, sir. I can feel it. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. I appreciate that. You too. Be good. Okay. You be good and be safe. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also, check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.